Hey, Mark. Hey, Katie. Hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Unforget Yourself Show, where we use the power of woo and the proof of science to help you identify your blind spots, get over your own bullshit, <gasps> so that you can do the fucking thing you actually want to do. Absolutely. I'm Mark. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of Unforget Yourself and the creators of the Unforget Yourself system. Look, being a business owner is tough. Yeah. With vulnerability and with humor, mm-hmm. we'll be sharing with you the real stories behind the success of those brave and crazy enough to start their own business and to show you that you're not alone. You're not. Well, from the accidental entrepreneur to the laser-focused CEO, we have honest conversations about how they got to where they are today. We talk about the challenges that they faced and what they're currently dealing with in real time on their roller coaster journey. Along the way, we want to show you that it's, it's you. You are the most important asset in your business. Yeah, you are. So let's cut the bullshit and start the show. Enjoy. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. So today we have with us Jen T. Grace, who runs Publish Your Purpose, a hybrid book publishing company whose focus is on elevating and amplifying entrepreneurs, business owners, and speakers who are seeking to get their message out there into the world in a more impactful way. Hey, Jen, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, so, so welcome. Can you expand a bit more on, you know, where you are with your business today and yeah, the kind of people you'd love working with? Yeah, so I am now seven years in to publishing books for other people. I am on my personal seventh book as well that will be out in October, which I'm very excited about. And I started writing my own books back in 2012. So it has been over a decade of just kind of writing and publishing and being in that world of authors and content Mm. creation and all that delightful, delightful stuff. But, you know, I work with authors that are motivated to get their message out there bigger in a more intentional, impactful way. Whereas, you know, into some degree, a book is a book is a book. But there's also a huge component of strategy that goes into a book that's really going to help an author really get onto the stage to generate more revenue, to open up different revenue streams in their business, and to just get more visibility for what they're up to. So that's Mm. really, I think, to me, motivation seems to be one of those specific characteristics that really make or breaks the, the ideal person to be working with. Oh, nice. So for you, it's not just about getting the book done, published great, you have it. It's okay. What's next? How is this going to propel your your career? How can you then reach more people and make a bigger impact at a lower cost for, for them? So that next step is, that's what it's all about. I mean, we, we were joking offline about it. It's been, it's about the, the purpose. It's about the intention of what you bring things. So this is so much more than just a book, right? In in our case, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at kind of just comparing apples to apples, people look at like, oh, I can hire this company, this company, or this company. And one of them charges a hundred thousand, one's 30 and one's five. You look at that and you're like, what am I getting? Or like, what are the differences? And so in some cases you're kind of run of the mill. You're just as part of an assembly line of like, okay, you gave us a manuscript, here's a book. And there's no, there's no intentionality. And Mm. where the way that we operate is the book is just one piece of a much, much bigger puzzle. It is the business strategy. It is the marketing strategy. It's your brand strategy. It is how are you using this book to get in front of new audiences, to serve your existing audience and being really intentional about all of that. Mm. Because if we just did a, a book, 
that brings me, my company's called Publisher Purpose. That brings me no joy in serving my purpose by just being like, hey, you gave us a document and now here's a book back. Like I love to just roll up my sleeves and get real into the nitty gritty of how our author's businesses operate and how we can plug the book into the into those businesses very strategically to mm. then obviously have just better outcomes because I don't want to do this if we're not going to actually move the needle on whatever the, whatever the author is trying to impact. Love that. And you've been author yourself. There's, you have so much passion and, and interest in this whole industry. So how did this first come about? What, what was it that made you decide, yes, I want to be a publisher at a different level and help guide even more people? What was it like? Well, so the the real abridged version is that I had self-published my first three books on my own, and I had no idea what I was doing. I just kind of stumbled into the dark and figured it out as I went. And everyone around me kept saying, "Well, how did you know how to? How did you know how to hire an editor? How do you know what kind of designer to work with?" And endless, endless questions. So I was like, "You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create a scalable program where I put all the people in it. I teach them the thing, and they go off and do the thing." And that started in 2015. And very quickly, I learned that people don't want me to teach them how to do it. They just want it done for them. Mm. And so I had one student in particular who said, listen, I think that you're sitting on a business model here to just actually be the one doing this work. And I looked at him and I was like, you are out of your mind because this is absolutely not like this is not the scalable thing that I'm looking for. And we had that conversation midweek. I thought about it over the weekend. And the following Monday, I had started a publishing company because it just felt so right. But what I will say in terms of the lesson learned is sometimes you might want to run the numbers first to see, because I had a very successful consulting model that I had 70% profit margins on everything that we did. It was me and a half a person. And I spoke, I consulted, and I just had lots of cash flow. And then I switched over to publishing, where if we are at a 20% profit margin, that is, that I'm, I'm grateful for that. So a very different experience. But- mm. What I can say, if I had known what I was getting into, that might have scared me to not do it. So I'm glad that I just kind of blindly jumped into it. That is a fantastic point. I mean, just in general, as, as entrepreneurs, if we've only known how tough it could be, because so many of us come into this with, oh my gosh, I'm going to do my my passion project. I get to, to teach or coach or create. Yes, this is the thing. We don't realize all the damn hats we have to wear to become the marketer, the salesperson, the accountant, all the other good stuff. So that's just the entrepreneur as it is. From what you're saying about being a publisher, it's like, oh my gosh, if I'd have known, probably would have thought twice. So hindsight, are you are you glad you you pushed through that despite all these these challenges? hundred percent, hundred percent. It was one of those things that I had been doing so many keynote speeches and doing the same consulting work for like 10 years at that point. And I was so tired of saying the same thing without the corporation I was working for actually executing or doing something with that information. It's like they were hiring me to check a box in some instances. Mm. And so I was just exhausted from standing on a stage and doing a keynote that just said the same damn thing over and over again. And so to move to a position where I can be the one behind the scenes, helping other people stand on the stage and say the same damn thing over and over again, it, it just had like such a different shift because I'm like, hey, I can go talk to 5,000 people people get paid and leave that stage and, and call it a day. But how much more impactful can it be if I'm just the one behind 
five people, 15 people, 50 people, and pushing them in front of the stage because that impact exponentially increases. So it just, it's such a better place to be. And I still do keynotes here and there, but it's just so much more fulfilling to dive in and just rip apart people's businesses and help them figure out how they can use a book to get them to the next level. Yeah. I mean, that evolution you speak about is, is fantastic. You've been doing this for 10 years, still have passion for it. It's like, okay, what else? Where, where can I make a bigger impact? And so the indirect impact of that end audience is huge. So now you, you're spreading even more goodness over the world. Fantastic. Yeah. I love it. It would change a thing. So what, what was it? What would you say is one of the biggest challenges that you faced when you were just starting out that you thought, yeah, if I'd have known this, I probably wouldn't have done it. Well, definitely the profit margins. That's that's the first thing that was like an mm. immediate, like, oh, sh- I really did not think that think this through. But I think probably the infrastructure of going from, because I was very much a solopreneur, even, and I had contractors and people helping with the consulting and, mm. you know, but nothing of significance. So I think for me, it was going from alone for the most part to now, because in that case, like it really was a solopreneur versus now having to be yeah. an actual CEO that is managing 9,000 different tasks on any given day, different people, different departments and things like that. Mm. So I think that that probably, if I had realized that I needed the skill set, a CEO skill set, then maybe it would have been a little bit easier because I could have like envisioned into that future of like, okay, if I were a CEO of a bigger company, what would I have to do? What would that look like? How would I have to not necessarily behave, but what do I have to change about myself? Because I know for me, my passion is in that scrappy startup phase. I have started countless nonprofits. I have been part of founding other people's, you know, Mm. um, the foundation of other people's organizations. And I just know that's where I live because I'm like, just like the scrappy startup. But once you get to that, you get to a certain place, those skills don't help you anymore. You know, you have to like learn those new skills. So I feel like had I realized that it might've made the transition a little bit, a little bit less bumpy, certainly wouldn't have solved anything, but it would have been maybe a little less bumpy. Right. Solopreneur to CEO. That is quite a step yet. There's, there's never really like a middle ground. It's like you're, you're holding yourself back. You bring on people. It's like, shit, I just, I think I'm the CEO now. When did that happen? Mm-hmm. So what what traits? What was it? Because it it that is all about your identity. It's all about you as the person behind this. So what were the the skills or the traits that you were that you were kind of missing? That you had to sort of fudge and, and and quickly get to grips with as you found that new role, or are still fudging, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I would say I, I think a lot of it's like people management process management, like really it's all of those things that when you're doing all of the tasks yourself, you just do all the tasks yourself. If you stress yourself out, you stress yourself out. Whereas like when you have a team that has very specific functions and different roles, it feels like a very different environment. And so I think just management skills, leadership skills, really thinking through process and operations different differently. Because at some phases, you just don't have the resources to hire in the experts. You kind of have to really bumble through the dark and figure it out on your own. And then you get to a place where you're like, all right, I am not trying to figure this out anymore. I will hire the, I will hire the expert to do this for me or figure this out for me. And that way you oh, can kind of keep evolving. There it is. Because that the, the scrappy solopreneur that you said you were was like, mm-hmm. this, this has got me and other people to a good level of success. 
And that's a badge of honor. And it's something that's really worked. To take that into the CEO and, and to be scrappy and do all this stuff. What, when did you find yourself? Or is there a circumstance that you found yourself looking back thinking, yeah, uh, I don't need to be doing this. I should really let this go. I, I, I found myself doing what I used to be doing. And then you had to pivot. What, what, what was that? I think it was almost everything. It was that because I just am such a get shit done type of person that everybody in my life, like if you ask almost anyone who knows me, like, how would you like just classify Jen or put her in a bucket? They would say she gets shit done. No one knows how, but it just happens. And so that makes me a less patient person at times because I'm like, I could have just done it myself. But you can't just do it yourself for every function in your business. And so I think it was like that repeated, like banging my head against the wall of, all right, I need someone to do this, but it's going to take them four days when it would take me 15 minutes. But I can't do that because that is not going to help me grow. It's not going to give the people who are supporting this business the autonomy and the, the freedom to be able to kind of do, do it in their way, which then doesn't create a good culture. So, you know, it, it was, I think it was really that constant my anytime i feel like i'm lacking patience i feel like it, there's a bigger a bigger situation at play if i'm if i'm losing my patience oh that's beautiful so that awareness to see this in the moment like hold on here's my trigger point here's the red flag something's afoot somewhere and then we have to try and work out what what's going on because sometimes it can be really sneaky it can be it can be and i think if we have self-awareness that is I want to, I think like 90% of the battle is just the self-awareness to be like, okay, am I reacting because I'm reacting from some past experience or am I reacting to the actual situation at hand or am I just impatient about whatever? And now I'm just going to react poorly across the board. So I think just kind of like dialing it back and like taking a minute and just breathing, being like, all right, did I, okay, is this the appropriate, like they, there's always the advice of like, send, you know, write out the email you want to send, don't put anything in the two and then delete it. It's like that, but it's like just more of like a day-to-day -day practice of like, all right, I'm feeling this way. Let me just pause, walk away from my desk for a minute, do a circle and then come back and then come back with a more clear head. I think that that really is what prevents me from running into, you know, traffic on a daily basis. It's just that, you know, time and space to think. Mm, rather than just making things, people, situations worse because yeah. you know what you want to say, you know mm -hmm. what, you, what is going on. So I think it is that 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 CEO mentality of um, the sort of people relating because mm -hmm. as as a people pleasing solopreneur, it's all good. But I care about my audience. I care about the clients. I mm -hmm. want this to work. I'll put their needs first, and it all comes from a passion place. The CEO sounds like, you know, there's tasks that you could do so much quicker. And of course, mm -hmm. you've had the experience. And of course, you're the business owner. So you've got more passion and drive and some things people can't replicate. It's so tough. Mm -hmm. So to be able to let go and allow this to happen, albeit slower, but that's the only way we can kind of grow. Yeah. What, what would you say is the, the, the hardest thing that you've been able to let go? Oh, geez. Hardest thing to let go. You know, the, the small example that popped up is the website, but I don't know why that that is the, the example. So my background is marketing. So I have been in marketing in some form or fashion for 20 years. So sales and marketing, I have no problems with like, that is just my happy place. Like I love being on mm. calls with people and brainstorming and trying to troubleshoot what the solution is for them. Sometimes it's us, sometimes it's somebody else, but I love that kind of day-to-day -day interaction. So that is, I think that will be 
a hard road when I have to give that up. I, I, I fully suspect that. Um, and I have support and help in there, but I'm still primarily the one that brings in all the revenue. But I think it's a lot of the marketing functions of knowing that I can do it, but knowing that I shouldn't be doing it. And so I think that that, that I can struggle with. And our website, you know, it is, I think is a thing of beauty compared to our last website, which was a nightmare. And now like I have had to just say, I will not touch it. I have had to make the promise to my team that I will not touch it because when I touch it, I cause chaos. And so I think it's like little things like that, that are, you know, it's hard because you're like, well, it's my baby. I'm the one who paid for this, this baby to be as beautiful as it is, but yet I have the, the feedback from others to stay away from it. So it, you know, it's one of those things that, um, I think you can struggle with and such a, such a micro example, but an example nonetheless. A micro example, but the the knock-on effect is huge. Um, chatting to other CEOs and they said, yeah, I've had to log myself out of the system. I, I now have to make it so damn hard else. I'll find myself just creeping in, making some changes, but then that affects the team. It shows lack of maybe trust or worth. Um, and then, of course, as we're all human, we all have emotions and things take control and it can snowball. So it's how to... Mm-hmm have the autonomy, how to have that, that sort of space, but also care because you're, you're all in this together. So you're, it sounds like your culture is, is changing to go from that solopreneur. You know what you're doing, you know where you're going and maybe things might pivot and change. Now it's like, ah, shit, it's got to be more of a global culture that it's driven by you, but it has to entice. Mm the right people in so is that is that the tough element right now where it's trying to work out what what is that culture what is that vision that people buy into so the right people are like yeah let's let's do this let's build this together i want to be part of this Mm-hmm. I think the idea of like a local culture versus a global culture, I think is really spot on. So like when I was that solopreneur and I started this company, I had no choice but to hire other people because I can't be a graphic designer, a book editor, a project manager, like that. none of those are my skill sets. So I had to bring a team on, but it was the same core of us for such a long time that we all have recognized that we have deficits in our collective skill sets. And if we're going to get to the next level, it's that whole adage, as cliche as it sounds, what got you here won't get you there. And I recognize that in my own skill sets of what, again, going back to like, I know I'm I'm best in those scrappy startup founding type of, of roles. So I know that that is the deficit that I currently possess. So I have been intentionally bringing in new people to the team to then just kind of observe and look around to say, okay, what we, this is how we've been doing it. Have at, you tell me a better way to do it. I have no vested interest in this other than making everyone around us successful. And so I think that that's where our growing pains are happening right now. And I know that most companies, when they hit certain markers, have those growing pains. So that is what keeps me somewhat sane because I can sit back and be like, you know what? Everyone else I know with a business has been here and they made it out on the other side. So just Jen, take a breath, walk around, come back. Everything will be fine. But, you know, sometimes they feel so like they they feel intense sometimes when you're like, I'm really just trying to like get to that next level, but not everything is aligned as easily as you would like it to be. And then you the lack of patience comes up again. Yeah, you've you, you nailed it there. It's logically, you get this. Logically, you understand that you know the process, you know what you need to do. And you understand what's happening in the moment, but 
fuck. As an emotional being, it's like, oh my gosh, logic can go out the window. I mean, sure you can. Self-diagnose, but in those in those moments, as you've you've sort of had this sort of rapid change and bringing people on and, and seeing this growth, what's it like for you? And who who's around you to either calm you down, talk you through, guide you, and and try and keep you sane? I have a couple of different kind of like mastermind groups that I've of people that I've just trusted for a very long time. So thankfully, uh, I have them to kind of go to to be like, all right, I'm losing my mind about this today. Just I just need you to talk me off the ledge. And I do the same thing for them. So, it, you know, I'm not hot headed. And I, you know, I'm, I'm always kind of a very neutral one that will talk everybody else off the ledge. Mm-hmm. So I have a very small selective group of people where I feel that I can go to them to have them kind of see the real side of me because I'm always the one that everybody comes to for advice and to solve their problems. So it's interesting when I'm the one that's asking for that help. Um, And I also have a partner who is also an entrepreneur. And I feel like that makes things so much better because when I get home, I can say, this is the nonsense that's occurring. And she can respond back saying, well, this is the bullshit that happened for me today. And it's like, we can kind of just bond over the shared the shared ebbs and flows in our respective businesses, rather than somebody who, you know, maybe they work for a corporation or they're a teacher or whatever it might be, which obviously there's no disrespect to any of that, but it's just not the same lived experience as entrepreneurs have. So it's kind of nice to have that, uh, have that balance at home as well. Yeah. I think that's, that's an absolute blessing because as, as obviously two entrepreneurs, you both understand because it can be it can be a lonely place either solopreneur ceo whatever it's tough you can be surrounded by all the right people saying the right things or maybe think they're saying the right things but they don't quite understand um so having a partner and obviously she's an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and it's amazing to have that sort of maybe different industry maybe different mm-hmm. um business but it, you have that shit i think you said it shared experience so mm-hmm. what from that different perspective, what does that help you to do when you're away from the business? Or do you both sort of catch each other being like, hey, are you working? Is it, are we, are we sort of moving things across now? Is it, is it bleeding? What goes on there? You know, I think it's interesting because I think there's a difference between someone who identifies as an entrepreneur versus someone who identifies as a business owner. I think they are very different mindsets and different mentalities, whereas I think entrepreneur is just something that like is in your DNA that just runs through your blood. And there are plenty of people that I know that own businesses, but it's just not it's not embedded in like who they are. You know, and it's not to say that they don't have entrepreneurial skill sets because they do. But I, I do think if you identify yourself as an entrepreneur, it is some, there is something different about that. I, I have not yet figured it out, but I know there's something different there. And so I love talking about business. And I do spend a lot of my time with our authors, helping them figure out how to adjust their businesses to use the book as a catalyst to something forward. So for me, I will brainstorm with some about someone's business in the grocery store. It does, I do not need anything. I nerd out about this stuff all the time. And she's very similar. So right now we're in the process of training for a century ride, which is a hundred mile bike ride. And we'll be just riding our bikes. And then just in the middle of, you know, it's beautiful, gorgeous spring day. And now all of a sudden we're talking about some, some issue that we're having in our business. But since we're both of that kind of nerding out about business, it Mm. doesn't seem, it's not a problem. Whereas I think, you know, if you, 
you know, if you really didn't like your business, for example, which I do know people who don't like their businesses. So if you didn't like your business or you didn't like brainstorming around it and you wanted to keep the separation of church and state very clear, then I actually think I would struggle with that more than it bleeding through into, you know, just a, a, a beautiful bike ride, for example. Hmm. So maybe the, the, the kind of definition is the business owner is about this particular bubble, building this, making it as best as they can. The entrepreneur is, okay, let's look bigger, let's look wider, let's look at the impact. How can we continue to evolve this? And it sounds like that's exactly what you've done with your business. It's like, okay, what's, what's next? Where do I go next? So mm-hmm. having that, that excitement, that love, again, this is the blessing and the curse of the entrepreneur of, I fucking love what I do. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. And I find myself working every hour God sends. Oh my gosh, that can be tough. So find that balance. And, you know, on a first hand from, from Katie and myself, we can find ourselves talking about it and be like, uh-oh, okay, there's a boundary. We need to start to go away. We can, I can talk about business all night long. And what, what's next? How can we improve this? What, what new technique can we bring in that's going to really make a difference versus okay i think we need some time to talk not business let's talk everything else so yeah. the passion can can go too far so it's 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 a it's a funny world it really is it really is i think that's why having the right the right counterpart in your personal life i think can really be can really be valuable because I have like most of my friends are all business owners too, but I have a couple of really close friends that aren't. And so mm-hmm. it's such a different conversation when I catch up with them because they're just, you know, doing their thing as a corporate employee, plugging away, watching TikToks while they're working. And I'm like, I can't even wrap my head around how you are watching uh, watching Netflix while you're inputting numbers because that is nothing of what my world exists like. And so it's just kind of, it's like refreshing at the same time because they don't care about my problems as an owner. I don't care about their problems as an employee. So it's just kind of like a different type of friendship. So I do value those friendships as well, where it's like, whereas a lot of my friends do have businesses and we're always just kind of brainstorming for each other. Because again, mm-hmm. we're just kind of like roll up your sleeves. It's like, if I have something to share or if I have some insight based on a problem that someone's telling me about, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I want to share that information? Why would I sit on it? You know. Yeah, and that's beautiful. And some of this advice and and, and experience can cross industries. It's mm-hmm. irrelevant. It's like, like what we talk about with "Unforget Yourself." It's the business owner. It's all about okay. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. You're still a human being trying to get through this, mm-hmm. and it's tough. How do we help you to continue to keep going despite the emotional roller coaster? Despite the ongoing thoughts and the stories and the, the patterns that we all have. Mm-hmm. No matter what industry you're in, we're still a human being trying to do the thing. Yeah. I think everyone is trying to do good. That is my, I, 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 I as a general belief, I do think mm-hmm. most people are trying to do good. Um, but you know, how we get there and what our journeys are, are all very different. Absolutely. So what's, what's next in your journey? Where, where are you going next? Where's your focus on now? My focus is squarely on infrastructure and assembling the right team for this next this next rung of this journey that we are we are jumping into. So we are in expansion mode, which is a very exciting mode, but also an uncharted territory. So that is where all of my emotional energy is at the moment. It is where my physical energy is. And so really just kind of looking through at the product lines we have and where can we expand strategically yeah. and intentionally and who can we help, who can we grab to support us in getting there? 
And it's a very different, again, going back to that, what got you here won't get you there. This is all uncharted territory for me as a human. If you were asking about how to start a business, I have more information I could than I could ever contain in dozens of books. But with this, no idea. So I'm just looking to the resources and experts of others and you know, talking to as many people as I can to figure out what do I need to do to get me to that next level? Yeah, I love that. How how are you feeling with that? Because Uncharted, you said it, it's exciting. It's also probably terrifying. Where do you actually sit? What, what are you feeling with when you think about how is it going to play out? I think I sit mostly in the exciting phase. Like for the most part, I love a challenge. I love a challenge. It does not matter what it is, which is why I'm training to ride hundred miles on my bike. Um, you know, it's like, I can't just be sedentary. I've run marathons before. So like, I'm all about like the challenge and that next thing. So I think mostly I stand in that exciting stage. I do have my moments, just the the valleys, you know, the, the valley moments where I'm like, oh, Lord, what have I gotten myself into? But I also don't have a safety net, right? Like I am my safety net. I have no, you know, I'm, I don't come from a family of wealth. I have zero, you know, to to fall back on um, other than the fact that I'm like, I'd, I probably would shrivel in a corporate environment, but I'm like, I'd make a great employee. Um, would I ever want to be one? No. So like, that's my idea as a backup plan of like going to work for somebody else, which I would rather, you know, I'd, I don't know what I, I'd rather be like living in a box on the side of a highway versus like li- versus being employed by somebody else. But those are the things that I think of. So like my mindset is that failure is just not an option. Like there is no other outcome than getting through this. So I think that that which is just always who I've been since I was very little. It's just, there is no other choice. I think that's what actually keeps those moments of fear to be somewhat reduced because I realize that you can be afraid, but you still have to do it. So why not just kind of like approach it in a more like, okay, we can do this fashion rather than, oh God, this is going to take me under. If that makes sense. Absolutely. You're on sort of full Viking there. Burn the (laughs) ships. There is no plan B. You could go back to corporate, but you know what? It'll fucking kill you as a human being. And that's not good, not for you, for your partner, for anyone. So you know what? That is not an option. Therefore, mm-hmm. cool. It's got no chance, option but to succeed. There we are. Sorted. We are. Yep. Just, Love that. just easy as that. <laughs> easy as that. Oh, my gosh. Look, Jen, I wish you all the very best um, in this next transition of your business. Um, thank you so much for sharing not only what you do and how you do it, but behind the scenes of what it's like as that journey continues, as becoming the CEO. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this because it's rare that I'm on a podcast where this is the central topic and I love it. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. Look, if people want to find out more about you and the amazing work that you do, where can they find you? The easiest is publishyourpurpose.com where you can find links and all my information. And I'm on all of the social at Jen T. Grace, but Jen with two N's. There we go. Everyone go check it out. And Jen, Thanks again. This has been so much fun. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Welcome. Hey, Katie. Yeah, Mark? Want to do an outro? I sure do. Sweet. Hey, thank you so, so much for listening and making it to the end. Yay, you. So what happens next? Uh, We ask them the things that podcasters are supposed to ask at the end of an episode. Can you please rate, review, download? Subscribe. Mm. Yeah. But why is it important? Because that's how our podcast gets noticed. That's how people find us. It is, and we want all their earballs. <laughs> all the earballs all over the place. We do. Nice. Yeah, so please do all those things. We'll be ever so grateful. And then more people hear your beautiful voice. Or yours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See you next time. Bye.